This episode of The Minimalist is brought to you by nobody, because advertisements suck. The Minimalists. <laughs> Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it Hello, simpletons. Welcome to another episode of The Minimalist Podcast. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I'm Ryan Nicodemus. And together, we're The Minimalists. Well, does anyone feel like this year has shed a light on their previously unknown excess? Do you feel like you've simplified, but your home is still overstuffed? You're not alone. And today, we're going to talk about stuff. Yeah, man. And why so many of us still, still have so much of it. You know, I thought... Mariah and I were pretty clutter free, and and we are, but we started. We watched uh, that season of Hoarders that they have on Netflix. Okay, and I was like, Mariah, we are hoarders. <laughs> <laughs> this is during the pandemic, and uh, yeah. Now, why did you feel? I mean, because clearly, like they are, you know, the, uh, ho- real hoarders who have a, a you know, the clinical hoarding is mm-hmm. a form of OCD, right? Mm-hmm. Which I have OCD, and and and. You don't have that, but you looked around and you just saw, well, man, I've spent so much time at home lately. I ha- I'm i not using some of this stuff. Stuff just creeps in, man. Yeah. Uh, it started with the books. So we have a lot of guests on the show. Mm. We invite some friends. They have books. They send us books. Mm-hmm. Autograph copies. Yeah. And I, you know, when I get one, I'll put it on my bookshelf. And I've got room for it. It's not like I had books overflowing. Yeah. But I was just looking at those books. I'm like, I've already read that. Uh-huh. I'm not going to read that. Uh-huh. And yeah, so I got, you know, we've got two rows of books and I just got rid of one row and now we just have an empty row, but that feels so much better <laughs> than having a row of books that I know Mariah and I are never going to read. Um, and yeah, then it, there's it, like a weird pressure there, right? And, yeah. and I think that, I think you can map that onto the rest of our stuff too. Mm-hmm. When, when you feel that pressure of, man, I feel like I have to do something with that. With a book, it's like, oh, I have to commit five to nine hours of of my time to read this thing. Yeah. And so in a way you just cleared out like a hundred hours of, uh, of yeah. freed up a hundred hours of free time. Yeah. And I think you could, you could look at other things like that as mm-hmm. well. Right. Yeah, for sure, man. And then it went to my clothes. Uh, so I bought, I got some new shirts. You're some like, new These six black shirts are too much. I need to get rid of three of them. <laughs> well, the problem is I bought because my, uh, you know, I hadn't, I hadn't bought new t-shirts in two or three years. So they were fading. And I was like, oh, I need to get some nice, like, crisp black shirts. Mm-hmm. So I had all these leftover faded shirts. Uh-huh. And I went into my old, well, if I'm ever going to paint, <laughs> I need to have a shirt that I can mess up. If I ever do yard work, I don't even have a yard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what if I, I do balcony work? I, I kept three of the old ones um, because, like, I'll work out in those. And plus they're sentimental and at I this sw- point. Right, exactly. <laughs> Uh, and then we filmed I, our last special in yeah. one of these shirts. And then I auctioned off the rest. <laughs> they were signed black t-shirts. You signed them in black I signed Sharpie. your name. Oh, yeah. thanks. Yeah, and black shirt, Sharpie, yeah. Black Sherpie. <laughs> <laughs> like a sheep. Yeah. 
So, um, yeah, Bex and I, you know, we'll get to some voicemail questions we have here from the audience, but Bex and I, uh, we don't have Ella this week, and so we were, that's the best time to get rid of Ella's stuff is when she's not around, <laughs> because, you know, she's seven, so it's not really her stuff. We own it, and we oh lend it out to her. <laughs> and, and I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, I guess, given her the option, she would just hang on to everything. Well, I sure. Assume. I mean, in, in fact... Most of the time we have her go, it's just a much more tedious exercise when we have her go through it. So we do this usually about once a month with her mm. and have her get rid of things she's no longer using. Yeah. But you're right. She does hold on to some things. And, and so I think it's a better exercise to continuously do it with her. But we got into the, the, the mode of sort of late spring cleaning, summer mm -hmm. cleaning, yeah. I guess. And with the pandemic, who knows? There are there seasons. Plus we're in Los Angeles. There's definitely not real seasons here. Right. And, and so we're, we're going through some of her, her things it was mostly Beck's going through the things and the 90-90 rule applied perfectly to all of this stuff there were, there were puzzles she told us a few months ago she, I don't even like puzzles anymore it's like okay well then these puzzles well, are gone them, right yeah, yeah. and um, it was an incredible free incredibly freeing feeling of you know, her room was already super tidy and clean you've been there several times mm -hmm. and and you've, you've seen like but it's just getting the excess away, the things that are no longer there and making room for the things she actually enjoys playing with. Mm. And I know, because we've done this before, when she returns to the, the things now, she experiences, she, she she's very sort of, um, she she gets sensory overload very easily and yeah. so like I, I know this will will free up the the space so that she's no longer feeling this sort of mental clutter the anxiety associated with with all of these things mm -hmm. now of course i wouldn't get rid of anything that i felt like she was going to use or or enjoy right but we we made a conscious effort to to get rid of the things that were no longer serving a purpose yeah, for that, her that makes sense like you're not getting rid of something because you you think to yourself oh she doesn't need that like you're getting rid of stuff that you're pretty aware of that she thinks she doesn't need that. Yeah, and things you know? we've even talked about before. Yeah, it, yeah. it was just it, instead of going through the things slowly with her, it was an opportunity to spend an hour and get rid of things that she didn't need. Just anymore. imagining like people listening to this, they're going to go to their partner's closet. <laughs> no, and, and yeah. I imagined you didn't need these five pairs of shoes <laughs> right and, and and so i think it's it, it's probably good to it's talk about different with kids it's, yeah. it's absolutely different with kids and and yeah you know, obviously i don't think it's ever a good idea to get rid of someone else's stuff and in fact we can we can talk about that a bit today it the because quite often the question that comes up and i don't know if this is any of the questions we're going to answer today but the question that comes up it usually manifests in a hey i've simplified my life and now my wife husband brother sister mother daughter whoever has too much stuff yeah in my eyes right mm -hmm. and how do i help them get rid of it without having a difficult conversation it's like well that's impossible right and, and it's going to no one said this is going to be an easy an easy process right mm -hmm. and also ryan and i aren't out here to proselytize and try to get you to convert someone else to minimalism the best thing that i i've been able to do is show the benefits of simplifying so that other people want to latch onto those benefits because if they just see you getting rid of stuff mm -hmm. that's not a benefit in and of itself right away yeah it can be oh look that shelf is is no longer cluttered or it's easier to clean or whatever but even those are separate benefits from just getting rid of the stuff yeah you know the only thing that bothers me now is i have a box of donations in my in the back of my car that I don't know what to do with because good I went to Goodwill oh yeah to try and donate a box of stuff uh -huh. and the line was just wrapped around the block and it was funny because when I got there 
I got out of the car. Well, first off, pulling into the parking lot, it was just like packed with cars. And there was an, what I thought was an attendant who was like waving me into a spot. Uh-huh. And I pull into the spot and it's handicapped. I'm like, that's weird. Why is he telling me to park in a handicapped spot? I'm like, well, he's the attendant. He knows what he's doing. Right. And then I get out of my car and he's like, hey, what kind of stuff do you have? <laughs> and I'm like, uh, what do you mean? He's like, do you have any clothes? And then I'm starting to find out like this guy is just hanging out in front of Goodwill. And there's actually a crowd of a crowd of like, you know, a handful of people, six people yeah. hanging out who are doing exactly what he's doing, trying to like get the box of stuff before someone donates it to Goodwill. Uh-huh. And I actually thought about doing that because the like I said, when I went up there, I realized the line, which I thought was people to get into shop was actually people waiting to donate. Mm. And I just didn't have the time to wait 45 minutes or an hour in line to donate a box of goods. A line wrapped around the block to donate. Wow. It was crazy, dude. And then, and this is, well, this is downtown Hollywood too. So, um, you know, I I don't know if that makes a difference. I I have never seen a Goodwill this busy, especially for donations. Right. Um, But I imagine a lot of people are doing what we're doing during the pandemic. Yes. They're like, oh, this is a good time for me to declutter. Uh Uh-huh. So anyway, I felt bad because like I did want to give, you know, I want those items to go to a good home, uh-huh. but like giving them to the dudes hanging out in front of Goodwill, they would take what they wanted and then just set the rest of the box on the ground. And I know that because on Vine Street where the Goodwill is, uh-huh. it's just like littered with exactly what you would think people would donate to Goodwill clothes and toasters and microwaves and like the most random stuff, man. So, and you didn't want your stuff to end up on vine street. Right. Basically. And actually I think we got, we have a question about how to kind of get rid of stuff okay. when, when we don't know what to do with it. Yeah. We'll, we'll get into that in, in a moment. I'm also reminded of this essay, the most recent thing decluttered, which is on our website came out this spring. You know that if you're on our email list, we, we send it out to our simple Sunday emails and it's really short, but I thought I'd bring it up here on the podcast. Every spring is a rebirth of sorts, a natural time to let go, start anew. This is doubly true during a pandemic. Smell the flowers through your face mask. Let go of excess while holding on to your sanity. This week, Ryan told me about some of the things he has decluttered so far this year. Christmas lights, three shirts, an inversion table. Get rid of your inversion table. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yes, even as the minimalists, we're still letting go. Today, I tossed some ill-fitting shorts in my donation bag. Last week, a jacket, a pair of pants, two potted plants. Last month, a few kitchen utensils that didn't adhere to my rules. How about you? Text an emoji of the most recent thing you decluttered to 937-202-4654. Get creative. Those texts go straight to both of our phones, and we respond to as many as we can. Uh, if you text us, we'll also add you our min- Monday morning minimal maxims, which I just sent one out this this morning. Um, I've I've really liked this experiment because a lot of people have gotten very creative with the letting go, but it's almost been a way for them to add an accountability partner who won't judge them. Mm. So people are letting go, and it's like they got rid of a pair of jeans. They just text an emoji of the pair of jeans to that that phone number that goes to both of our phones. Mm. And the the thing that I like is is it's not anonymous but it's also not it's not judgmental Uh, whereas you can be anonymous on the internet and still get judged right here it's like ryan and i all we do is we identify with you yeah we're not trying to to tell you what you need to get rid of or that you should get rid of anything and that if you're happy with your status quo and all the stuff in your house Mm -hmm. great I just know a lot of us are, are discontented mm-hmm. and the things are actually getting in the way of living a more meaningful life. And that's what we want to talk about today. We've got a voicemail here from Katia 
in Modesto, California. I don't have any problem getting rid of stuff. On a daily basis, I find myself, you know, throwing out, donating, you know, finding another place of stuff that I don't need or that doesn't bring me joy. The problem is with the stuff that brings me joy. Once I find something that brings me joy, I feel like I have to have it in every single color. You know, like, I I get out of control in that part. I feel like I'm, I get lost from my way of going to minimalist in the part of finding joy in things. Because I find joy in a lot of things. I don't know what I should do. Ryan, I think Katia might be confusing joy with happiness. Hmm. Not not even pleasure. Like you, she, you might get pleasure from these things and you buy something, you get the immediate dopamine rush and mm-hmm. the, when you, you reach the checkout line, there's a whole experience. The retailers are really good at creating that experience with Muzak and aesthetics and, and even they some places even pump smells into the, their their stores. Yeah. There's a, a Muzak for smells. Uh, I know because I looked into it for our retail stores. It blew my mind, man. And, and uh, Lexus does this apparently. At least they did at one point with um, chocolate chip cookies. That's why it always smelled like chocolate chip cookies there. Wow. Um, and I know because I had several Lexuses. Uh, and and so they would pump smells in, into their I thought you meant stores. you had several chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> <laughs> no, they didn't have any there. I was very frustrated. Oh, that's hilarious. Uh, and, and so, yes, uh, we, we have this whole experience that's created that gives us pleasure. Mm-hmm. But beyond that... I think we can get some happiness from our things because they augment our experience of life. Mm-hmm. And so buying the thing that that enhances your life, that, that makes your life simpler, which is a bit quixotic. We have to be very careful with buying things to make our life simpler, right? Mm-hmm. But to make life more enjoyable, yes, sometimes that takes accessories to do that, right? Mm-hmm. We have these microphones. It's much better that we have these microphones than if we didn't. Yeah. Uh, we, I, we would have to go outside and start shouting on Hollywood Boulevard and within... Mm-hmm. Um, we'd just be on a soapbox and we would just be with all the other people right. on Hollywood Boulevard shouting nonsense. Instead, we're <laughs> just on uh, Apple Podcasts shouting right. a- a- with everyone else, with the 900,000 podcasts that are out there. And anyway, um, uh, so yes, things can bring you pleasure. They can bring you happiness or at least augment your experience of life that will ultimately result in happiness. But I don't know that things specifically will bring you joy in the way that she the Katia is using this this word. Yeah. And so I think things can bring you joy only insofar as they enhance your relationship with other people. Mm-hmm. I believe that joy happens is only experienced with respect to others, whether it's directly a direct experience with someone else mm-hmm. or indirectly, you can indirectly experience joy through other people. And so mm-hmm. um I I think maybe I know it sounds trivial here, but I would change my language a little bit because I don't think the things are actually bringing you joy. And in fact, I think because you're calling and asking this question, they may be getting in the way of your joy. Yeah, I but, mean, she used the word out of control. Yes, that being out of control does not feel joyful. Right. Exactly. In, in fact, uh, I I think uh, an out of control life is a life that, that sort of puts up a barrier against joy mm. in a way. And and what I would what I would look to do here if, if I'm in Katya's situation is 
I would look to see how much is enough because quite often we don't ask that question because we got joy from one thing. Mm -hmm. There's, of course, this concept of diminishing returns. We know that if we eat one ice cream cone, it's delicious. Mm -hmm. But the second one isn't nearly as good as the first. And I know as a former very, very fat kid, I used to eat the whole box of ice cream sandwiches. <laughs> like if we got a box of eight or ten ice cream sandwiches, you've done this before, right? Oh, yeah, dude. I would eat yeah. all ten of them. Oh, man. And... Was I getting joy out of that last one? Well, no, I wasn't getting joy from any of them unless I was sharing that experience with someone. It was gluttonous. Yeah. And even that first one, it brought me pleasure. Mm -hmm. And and I would argue probably not even happiness. There's no n real nutrition in that. Right. And, and so it brought me pleasure. But by the 10th one, it was almost an obligation. It's like you're chasing. Yes. Chasing that first ice cream sandwich feeling there's actually even studies that show uh with that the first bite is the best bite and the second bite isn't as good as the first bite yeah and so on and so forth um you know let alone having 10 ice cream sandwiches oh. you know I, when i hear katia here uh i hear her saying that she likes variety and i think variety is important mm. in life mm -hmm. um whether it's with your clothes or whether it's with uh, relationships or you know, the entertainment you take in, I mean, variety is something we all crave. Yes. But yeah, I totally agree. <clears throat> like she has to figure out what's enough or another way uh, to look at that is she needs to create some friction for herself mm. and deciding what enough is. That's, that's, you know, some friction to be like, Oh, okay. Like I like those, those shoes. Uh, maybe I'll get a second pair. Cause we're not against having two different colors of shoes. Right. Uh, but we're but, just having three different colors. <laughs> exactly. Disgusting. Well, you know, I'd be interested to hear what you have to say um, with your jackets. Yeah. Because I know how you know you've talked before about how you're not very minimalist with jackets. Right. So but, how do you how uh, do Bex you? Bex calls me a jacket slut. A jacket slut. Yes. You are a <laughs> you are a jacket slut. How do you um, how do you create friction with your jackets? Yeah. Yeah. So so I I do have. A million jackets. No, I have nine. If you're rounding up to the nearest I, I counted them, although <laughs> I got rid of one recently, so I guess I have eight now. Mm, um, minimalist. But if I were to bring another one in at this point, so, so these are eight jackets that I all use. They all fit. So here's how I create the friction, and then I'll, I'll finish answering your question somewhat indirectly as well, but here's the direct answer is I have rules around it, right? Have, it's the 90-90 rule. Have I used this in the, this in the last 90 mm. days? Will I use this in the next 90? And so, Katia... Go ahead and, and download our, it's a free ebook. It's called The Minimalist Rulebook, 16 Rules for Living with Less. And I would encourage you to download that at our website, theminimalists.com slash rulebook, because that rule is in there, Ryan. When we're talking about mm -hmm. uh, the 90-90 rule, um, it, it's, it's in the book we call it the seasonality rule, because it accounts yeah. for functionally all seasons. If I go back 90 days, that is spring, yeah. right? And I go forward 90 days, it's 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 fall mm -hmm. and if you live somewhere in the, in the winter you might need to say well it depends on what time of year we're in a bad time of year for the 90 90 rule but even now it right. still it still works most of the time yeah because if something works in the fall it also works in the spring and vice versa yeah really what i'm trying to figure out is, is this going to work in three seasons for me is it going to work in summer fall and winter yeah. and, and, and have i used it in that time frame if not am i going to
going to use it in the next 90 days. If not, then I give myself permission to let go. So I did mm-hmm. that with some of Ella's toys this past week, as we already discussed. I do that with my clothes. Uh, and, and recently, I've gained a little bit of weight because I've been exercising and lifting weights. And so my yeah, pants... Yeah, beefing up. Yeah, my, 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 I have br- really skinny bird legs, mm-hmm. and they're just less bird-like right now. And mm-hmm. so a lot of my pants don't fit anymore. And mm-hmm. so I had to buy new pants oh, wow. recently. And in doing that, I obviously got rid of the old ones mm-hmm. in the process. And because those are no longer going to continue to serve a purpose. I know I'm not going to wear them in the next 90 days. And so mm-hmm. I give myself permission to let go. I think that creates some friction. But let me let me just add to it with, by saying this, Ryan. It, if Ella, she, I don't want her to have no toys. Just like I don't want Katya to have no collectibles. Yeah. You may, may get some pleasure. Yeah. Or just like one color of... Of, of of her war in, in her wardrobe i mean yeah right and so so i want i want ella to be able to have toys that mm-hmm. enhance her life that she will enjoy and hopefully she can get joy out of because she shares the experience with other people those are the best toys by the way yeah the ones she's able to share that experience with, with other guns. people yes exactly <laughs> she loves shooting me with that <laughs> <laughs> i imagine she loves shooting everyone with that she d- well she hates getting shot with it herself though <laughs> yeah she does she cannot she can dish it out but she can't take it yeah um yeah, I'll, I'll run into a room with both of them sometimes. And just, <laughs> just let let go on her. That's great. Uh, and anyway, so but so Nerf guns are a good example. Her having a couple of those is great. Now, what if I bought her fourteen of them? Right. What's she going to do with them? Yeah, they're actually going to get in the way of the experience because it adds uh, several layers of complexity. It mm-hmm. adds in the paradox of choice. Mm-hmm. It, it adds in additional clutter. It adds in things that we don't actually use and thus we don't get to experience them if you have things that you're not experiencing whether it's a piece of art on the wall if you were to put a sheet over that piece of art that's no longer experiencing it Mm -hmm. or it's a a tool like a nerf gun if you're not using that to enhance the experiences in your life then it's probably just getting in the way yeah yeah, I mean, when when if I was Katya, I would ask myself when I'm looking at all the different colors of something and all the different you know versions of whatever it is, I would ask myself also like, what am I getting these different versions for? Mm. Is it, um, you know, because what's the why behind? Right, because often like I'll get something where I'm like, oh, you know, I'll. I'll wear this at a funeral one day. Like that's how I used to think when I bought stuff. <laughs> planning, you you buy your entire wardrobe planning for funerals. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Uh, but no, it's. It's interesting because you can get caught in that trap of you, you find an excuse to purchase something for a just in case. And maybe you talk yourself into a just for when. Uh-huh. Um, but I think if Katya creates some rules for herself, creates a little bit of friction and asks herself, why is she buying those things? Like maybe it will help her make better decisions. I like this because, and we'll, we'll end with this, the, the why you often will it'll lead you to deeper whys. And so if you, why are you buying this? Well, because I get joy from it. Okay. Real, do, and maybe yeah. it asks you to you make, makes you ask another question like am I really getting joy from it how am I getting joy from it mm-hmm. why do I get joy from it is there another way or a better way to get joy than by purchasing more widgets yeah and if the answer is no this is really enhancing my life I really need to purchase this life jacket for when I'm going uh, uh, tubing or whatever like mm-hmm. then that's that's totally fine if it's the best use of your resources then great. I don't want you to live without stuff. I don't mm-hmm. want you to live without beauty either. Mm-hmm. But I do want you to start to question those things that are in your life right now or, in Katya's case, the mm-hmm. things you're thinking about bringing in because we mistake 
pleasure for joy mm. and in the long run those 10 ice cream sandwiches are going to do the opposite for me they're going to they're going to get in the way of my joy because they're going to make me fat they're going to make me unhealthy they're going to make me actually malnourished mm. and i think right now we are malnourished by our things yeah well katia let me send you a couple of tour tickets we're going on tour uh and we're going to be in a couple cities near you, near Modesto, you're, you're in between sort of close to San Francisco and, and Sacramento, whichever one is more convenient for you, Katia. We'll send you a couple tickets. Sean, if you could reach out to her, I'd appreciate that. And if you are listening to this at home and you want to check out any of our tour dates, it's just theminimalists.com slash tour. We do a live version of the podcast. We, we often have special guests, podcast guests, musical guests. Ryan will do his juggling act. <laughs> My dubstep routine. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah, theminimalists.com slash tour. Also, enjoy that minimalist rule book. There are 16 rules for living with less in there. Ryan mentioned a few of them. The just-in-case rule, the just-for-win rule, the emergency item rule would be another one that stands out, the seasonality rule, and a bunch of other rules that I think will help you set up the boundaries you need to be more intentional with your stuff. And it's free on our website. Rashid from Massachusetts has a question for us. I'm active duty military, and I transfer every four to five years, give or take. I've had so many things in storage that I've wanted to keep because they actually do mean something to me. Putting them in a house short term, I don't really get to put them where I want them or how, like, eventually when I retire, how my house will be set up. How do I mitigate that? I don't want to buy storage, but I also don't want to get rid of it. But there's only so many things I can hold on to without just cluttering everything. Basically, mementos that I'll put up on the wall eventually in my actual retirement home. What's the best way to go about that? So, Ryan, it sounds to me like Rashid, he's facing two problems. He says, I don't want to get storage, but I also don't want to get rid of it. Mm. And so they're just sort of sitting there in the way right now, the, the things that he has. Yeah. I know you have an experience with, with storage. Yeah. When I, uh, when I sold my condo or when I moved out of my condo, I should say, cause I didn't sell it. I rented it out at first. Didn't sell it until a couple of years later. Um, so we, we I left had, Dayton, Ohio. We went to Montana. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, actually it was before we went to Montana. So when I, when I was simplifying, getting rid of debt, I rented out my condo. Uh, so I didn't have that debt payment. And then I moved into a place that was like, you know, 350 bucks a month or something. You were the most Way, notable resident in Pickwell, Ohio. That's right. It was a very small apartment and it, I did not have room for my washer and dryer. I didn't have room for the couches I had and the, the lazy boy that I had. And I had like this antique chair. So, um, it was all stuff that I very much enjoyed and, and that I liked having in my house. And I was like, Oh, I am, I'm going to find a home for this stuff eventually. Um, so temporarily, I'm going to have this in a storage unit just mm-hmm. to uh, just to hang on to until I move into another place. Well, it turns out that other place was Montana. Yeah. And when that happened, I was like, "Oh, like this is not this isn't going to work. Um, I have to I have to get rid of this stuff because I'm not going to bring it out to Montana with me." So uh, I, the reason why I'm I'm telling the story, Rashid, is because you know I had an absolutely you know decent reason to have a storage unit for a little bit. Mm-hmm. The uh, the lease that I signed on that apartment was only six months, mm. so I gave myself six months to have this storage unit. And Pickwell, Ohio, was like thirty bucks a month, so it's one hundred eighty dollars to hold on to this stuff. Yeah. Um, I mean, it turns out I wasted the one hundred eighty bucks, but but sure. but but I I had these these barriers or these rules set up to to follow for the stuff in my storage unit. So Rashid, um, give yourself an end date. 
if it's if it's sentimental stuff, I understand. Like I had an, that antique chair that I had that I know I've talked about before. Mm-hmm. I paid four hundred fifty dollars for it. I ended up selling it for forty dollars. I had like a storage unit um, garage sale, yeah. <laughs> and like people just showed up at my storage unit and you know made me offers on stuff. Um, but yeah, that chair I ended up selling for forty dollars. But for me. I, I had to get rid of it. So someone offered me 40 bucks and yeah, I wish I could have got more out of it, but you know, I couldn't. So some, I, some I, cost I, at that yeah, point. Yeah. I took what I took what I could get. It's worth whatever someone's willing to pay for it. And yeah. there are some items that it was worth more to you because you, it had a sort of sentimental value. Yeah. Right. I, yeah. I would also ask Rashid too, though. Like if he's holding on to stuff because of the cost, mm. like my washer and dryer, I was like, Oh, you know, I spent $800 on this set. Um, it's worth me, you know, 30 bucks for six months to hold on to these. Um, but you know, at two years or at three years, I might as well just buy a new washer and dryer. Mm-hmm. So I think Rashid has to look at that too. Um, if it's sentimental stuff, yeah, like that's a little bit more difficult to get through. But if it's just stuff you're holding on to because you don't want to purchase again, you know, look at how much you're actually spending on the storage unit versus, you know, what it would take to replace those things. Yeah. Well, you know? that, I think that's a great point. And so there are some things he says that they have a particular meaning to him. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I just want to be clear Things, none of our things have an intrinsic meaning. They have only the meaning we assign to them. I'm not saying it's wrong to assign meaning to certain things, but when everything is precious, nothing is precious. Absolutely. And and so keep that in mind. When we have 300,000 items in our home and we treat it as though they're all the same, what we're really doing is we're saying the really important things aren't that important. Mm. And so Mm. I think maybe one of the things, Rashid, that you can do just to add on to what Ryan said, because I I completely agree with everything he said there, uh, I I would say that, yes, they might mean something to you, but if you go back to why do they mean something to you, and I can tell you what I did with some of my mom's stuff, the, the sentimental items in particular, I kept some of the things, but instead of watering them down with dozens or hundreds or thousands of of sentimental trinkets, I kept a handful of sentimental things, and I get far more value from those few things I kept than if if I just had hundreds of them. Mm -hmm. And, and, And so... I don't. Also, I also don't like the binary choice here of storage or get rid of everything. Right. Uh, and, and I think what you can do is you can take photos. I did this with a lot of my mom's possessions as well. I took photos of the things I didn't want to hold on to. So I wasn't getting rid of the memories because the memories aren't in the things, but I was able to trigger those memories. And I still have photos of many of her things if I want to be able to trigger those memories. Now, mm-hmm. occasionally there's a tactile thing that we need to hold on to to trigger a memory. That's usually not the case. I know people bring that up all the time. Mm-hmm. I personally, I maybe you can leave a comment on YouTube if you disagree with me or call in and, and, and leave a comment, send a voice memo, podcast at theminimalists.com and, and let me know if I'm wrong here. But I don't know of anything that I've needed to hold on to for the tactile experience that I couldn't get out of taking a photo of that thing that mm-hmm. I was no longer going to use. Yeah. Now, the storage, it might be the price of admission. And so I think that... We have to think of, you know, when you when you go to a concert, Ryan, you have to pay the price of admission, whatever that is. And if it's a Bob Dylan concert, um, may he rest in peace. <laughs> He's still alive. Oh, yeah. His new album's pretty good, actually. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah and, good. and uh, but if you if you uh, want to go to Bob Dylan concert and it's 250 bucks to get in, you have to be willing to pay the price of admission. Right. The same is true with the stuff. You're, if you want to hold on to the stuff, the yeah. price of admission is you're going to have to either 
clutter your home with it, mm -hmm. that's a high cost to me. That's not a cost I'm willing to pay. Or you're going to have to store it for a period of time. Rashid, unfortunately, it sounds to me like you got a while for retirement. Let's say you're 15 years away from retirement. Yeah. Are you going to pay 15 years of storage? Do the math on that. And if so, just know that's the price of admission. That's the price you're willing to pay mm -hmm. to hold on to these things that supposedly have meaning. Or what is, what's the third path, right? There's the, the, the left path and the right path, but you, you don't recognize like maybe there's a separate path. And that path is a combination of the two. Maybe you can hold on to a few of the things, mm. get more sentimental value from the few things you hold on to, have some sort of, of barrier, a, a, a boundary. It could be uh, one, one sort of trunk or chest mm -hmm. that, that carries your sentimental items, and it can never go beyond the limits of that trunk or chest. And maybe it's even a beautiful trunk that you keep in your house, and now you have this piece of artwork that holds your sentimental items. You're yeah. not paying for a storage locker, but also you're not cluttering your space with the excess stuff because if it doesn't fit in there, mm -hmm. you give yourself permission to let it go. Yeah, Rashid, you've got a tough decision, and as much as I wish that Josh and I could make this for you, it's up to you. If you want to know what Josh and I would do, uh, neither of us would hold on to something for you know 15 years and pay for a storage unit just so we could have it one day in this hypothetical retirement future. Rashid, I'm going to give you a copy of our book, Everything That Remains. It's it's really the story about dealing with sentimental items. I mean, I think that's at the core of the book is 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 we treat everything as sentimental and, and so much so that we don't even know how to get the momentum we need to let go of the things in our life, and so. Everything that remains is a story of, of Ryan and I, the sort of transformation from these suit and tie corporate guys to becoming minimalists and eventually the minimalists. And and that that entire journey over over a five year period. And I think you'll find a lot of value in the stories. It's my favorite thing that we've ever created so far. Uh, and if you like our podcast, you'll like the audiobook version of Everything That Remains. Or if you want the book book or the ebook version, we're happy to send those to you as well. Ryan, what time is it? You know what time it is. It is time for our lightning round where we answer your text messages. You can text your questions to 937-202-4654. Yes, indeed. Those texts go to both of our phones, and we reply to as many as we can personally. And we even reply to some on the podcast like we're about to do right now. Now, during the lightning round, this is where Ryan and I do our best to answer every question with a short, shareable, less than 140-character response. And we put the text to your minimal maxims in the show notes so you can copy and share our pithy answers on social media if you'd like. And now you can find all of our minimal maxims in one place, minimalmaxims.com. All right, our question here is from Kara. Some of my stuff is broken or worn out, and I would like to dispose of it responsibly. How do you dispose of stuff that no longer has a useful life? Well, I'll give you my pithy answer. It's not a direct answer to her, so I'll, I'll try to give her an answer as well. I just like this as a, as a tweetable answer here. The most sustainable purchase is left on the shelf. Mm. I think quite often we, we get caught up in, in buying the most eco-friendly thing but the eco-friendly-ist option mm -hmm. is to not bring it home with you in the first place now we that's not something we can always do but realize there's always that third option if you're trying to choose between widget a and widget b mm -hmm. option c is you don't maybe maybe you don't need it at all now Kara's also in, in a place where, okay, she has some stuff she needs to get rid of. So I'm, I think you have something pithy for. Yeah, uh, my pithy answer is this. It's hard to be joyful in a home that mimics a landfill. Mm. And what I see often is people holding on to things because they're like, oh, well, like I see this with uh, 
zero waste where they're like, oh, I got these light bulbs. I don't know what to do with. I got these, uh, you know, batteries that I don't know what to do with. Um, it takes some stuff. It takes work to get rid of responsibly. Yeah. So like when it comes to batteries, when it comes to laptops, uh, you can go to Best Buy, you can recycle them there. There are other recycling programs, but it takes some work. Mm-hmm. But if you're just hanging on to stuff because you don't know how to dispose of it, yeah. then you're treating your house like a landfill and that's going to bring you a lot of discontent. So, uh, you know, you've got to do some work and find out how to, if you got nuclear waste at your home, yeah, it's hard to get rid of, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but there's a proper way to get rid of it. Yeah. And I think and it's going to take some work. I, so I have a 30 day rule on this where I will give myself 30 days to try to sell the thing. So if I have something that I can sell, cause I think that's one of the most responsible ways to get rid of something is let someone else who's going to get value from the thing, use it. Yeah. If I can't sell it, then I will try to donate it after, after 30 days. If it's something I'm not able to donate, then I will eventually, you know, either try to recycle it mm-hmm. or have to throw it away, depending on what the item is. And no one wants to fill a landfill up. I mean, right. we, we all can agree that landfills suck. Uh-huh. Um, if you've ever been to a landfill, I mean, it's one of the most depressing sites. I will say, however, putting something in a landfill uh, that isn't going to seep into the ground, isn't going to seep chemicals into the ground and ruin, you know, fresh water and stuff, that actually is... Even though it's a crappy way, mm-hmm. it's the best way to dispose of something because it'll decompose faster in the landfill than if it's just sitting in your house. Yeah, and you're, it's better in the landfill than in your living room. Yeah. Ooh. That's, that's tweetable, I think. Nice. All right, before we get into our listener tips, Ryan, we've got some good ones today. Also, an added value segment that I'm actually sad about, Ryan. Oh. Uh, there's a tear in my eye, metaphorically. <laughs> uh, before we get to that, though, Ryan, we have a bunch more surprise questions this week, like... How do you let go when you're overwhelmed by decluttering? Mm. That's where I started. I was overwhelmed because I had so much stuff and I was already organized. Mm-hmm. I felt decluttered, but I wasn't decluttered. So we're going to get into that. Also, where do you draw the line for sentimental items? What is sentimental? What isn't? What stuff do people own that you find to be absolutely unnecessary? Ryan, we're going to tell some people to get rid of some stuff. Mm. Or else. <laughs> what does Marie Kondo, uh, or wait, uh, does Marie Kondo own too much stuff? A lot of these Marie Kondo questions coming up. I know. It's really I think, weird. I think what happens is we answered one or two, and now the, the Marie like, Kondo yeah. questions. So does Marie Kondo own too much stuff? Yeah. Find out. Also, <laughs> is minimalism dying? Several articles <laughs> about that have come out recently. We're, we'll, we'll talk about that. Also, try these seven tips to help pare down, plus a million more questions about excess stuff for the minimalists. And if you want to hear all that, check out our maximal episodes on the Minimalist Private Podcast. It's a completely separate podcast, by the way. And it's just a couple bucks. And it is the most honest way for the minimalist to earn an income because we don't believe in ads. So we make money if and only if you find value in and support what we create. Head on over to theminimalists.com slash support and subscribe. Uh, right there, you'll be able to subscribe to get a personal link so that our private podcast episodes play in your favorite podcast app. 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 they knew what you meant yeah i think they got it all right ryan what else you got for us this week here are some voicemail comments and tips from our listeners check them out hello josh and ryan Um, my name is melissa hollingsworth i'm actually from dayton ohio i wanted to provide um input to the question that brandy had in las vegas regarding her yearbooks um her hometown library may also accept her yearbooks um where i live in dayton and they just recently rebuilt the downtown Metro Library. They're actually building a database for all the local yearbooks, just to provide an uh, example. Hello, I am Colleen and I am from the Netherlands. 
Um, recently, I heard a podcast um, that was about uh, giving presents or receiving presents, and I wanted to share some um, nice ideas about that. Um, so every year, it's normal with your birthday that you ask for presents, but if you say, no, I don't want to have anything, people still come up with stuff. Um, so this year, I tried to ask everyone for one flower. Uh, a picked flower or a bought flower didn't matter, just one flower. So at the end of the evening, I had one bouquet of uh, beautiful flowers. And it was very nice because uh, everyone was talking about how nice the bouquet was. Uh, so it really added some value to the evening as well. And um, other ideas, I, I haven't tried them yet, but I also wanted to try maybe next year to ask people to give food that I would donate to... Um, uh, uh, well, we call it the food bank. Um, or I could, um, in Holland it's very common that you make an online list um, where you uh, put on the things that you want to have. And I was thinking about instead of putting things on the list, I would um, write down things like a smile or a compliment or a good story or... Um, uh, a funny joke or something like that so that will be their present for the evening and I think that would be a nice idea to, to try out and then um, for when it comes to giving gifts I have a few friends that also said I don't want anything and now for three times in a row I've succeeded in actually not giving something because they ask for nothing and it's interesting because it did make me feel very uncomfortable and um, uh, because it's in our culture to give something. Um, so, uh, but they didn't, they said, I don't want anything. So I didn't give them anything. I just gave them my company and in the end it felt good. Um, so I think if someone really asks for nothing, then just don't give anything. Just give your company or a smile or otherwise just give a nice flower. Everyone gets happy from a nice flower. All right, y'all, for our added value this week, Ryan, uh, you have been there at least once, maybe twice, mm. the Annenberg Space for Photography over in Century City. Have I been there? Yeah, you definitely went there with us. Yeah. Uh, we w Did you see the oh, walls one? Yes. Or was it? I think it was the animals one, the, uh, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. endangered species. Yeah, so yeah. That, that one was called, um, ooh, I'm blanking on the name, but then, yeah. so it's the, honestly, it's what a photo museum should be. It's... Mm. It is the best photo museum I've ever been in by far. It's not even. There's not even a close second. It's gorgeous. It, it's it's it, the parking is was free there. The admission was free. In fact, parking in Century City is like thirty bucks. Anytime you go there, they validate your parking, give it to you for free, and the 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 way they curated photographs was just amazing. It's just the right size. Uh, and then they would show like a 20 minute documentary of whatever exhibit was going on at the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we went there once they had this one about, you know, since there's a lot of talk about building a wall over the last three or four years, they've, they did this sort of history of wall building, like great mm. wall of China, the peace walls in Belfast. And, oh, wow. and, and there's, you know, they say a picture's worth a thousand words, whatever, but, but, a. a great picture especially a series of pictures they tell a story in a way that is I, it was just so profound and then they would they would do a documentary about the 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 whole collection and it was it was fascinating it was so well curated well during covid they have closed down mm. and they're done they're, they're not opening oh, back up no yeah they're like they're done uh, done closed down indefinitely yeah yeah <sighs> uh, uh, yeah permanently and and so 
I, I bring that sad news because you're never going to get to experience it in person. But the second best thing is they they have all their archives on their website. It's beautifully mm -hmm. done. So, Sean, if you would put a link in the show notes to the Annenberg Space for Photography, I would definitely encourage you to check out. They did one on hip hop. It was uh, called Contact uh, Contact Sheet, I believe. Oh yeah, I think I saw that one too. Actually, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. And so I I just I really enjoyed going there, and it's it's irreplaceable, mm -hmm. and it's sad. You know, we're starting to see the victims of of this pandemic and some of them I, I don't feel less bad about it's a lot of the retail because mm -hmm. the retail it's just accelerating i think what's going to happen with retail is we're ended up in 2030 right now instead of 2020 retail wise it just yeah. took the the last 10 years and and contracted it into like a six months span yeah and unfortunately we're going to see these these other these other spaces um, like this Annenberg space for for photography, it's it's gone now. But you can still find it online, and I would encourage you to check it out in the show notes. It's the just the stories that are told through the photographs there. And I'm in fact the nice thing that they have that on there is there are plenty of exhibits I didn't get to see before we ever moved to LA. It's been there for ten years, mm -hmm. and so there's ten years worth of archives I get to go back and experience. Not the same as being in person, but at least it's there to experience online. Awesome. I would encourage you to check it out. And real quick for right here, right now, here's one thing that's going on in the life of the minimalist. Now, Ryan, it's a new month ahead. I think mm -hmm. it's in a couple days from now. A uh, brand new month, which means a brand new 30-day minimalism game. Yeah. We have a free calendar on our website. It's uh, theminimalists.com slash game. Now, some of you might be saying, well, what the heck is the 30-day minimalism game? Well, it's the most popular thing that I think we've ever done in terms of a challenge or anything like that. Yeah. You can download the free calendar now, which is great because you can sort of play along and it tells you how many items to get rid of that day and how many you've gotten rid of so far. It kind of does the math for you. You want to talk about what the minimalism game is yeah. specifically? Yeah, you find a friend or family member or an arch enemy. <laughs> <laughs> and you agree to play this game with each other where you both get rid of one item on the first day of the month. And then on the second day of the month, you get rid of two items. And then on the third day of the month, three items, so forth and so on. Right. Whoever lasts the longest wins. It's, Is that what you tell Mariah? I do. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> Uh, it's real easy that first week or so, right? But then you get to like day eighteen, you gotta get rid of eighteen things, and then day nineteen, you gotta get rid of got gotta get rid of nineteen things. So, uh, you know, if you both make it though, you both win. Yeah. Um, but maybe you put up a bet, like you know, someone makes dinner, or takes you out. Well, I guess you can't really go out these days to restaurants, yeah. but uh, yeah, Josh <laughs> and I, Josh and I usually bet a dollar on stuff or ten thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so you, I, I, what I like about this game is it's only twenty dollars. <laughs> no, it's absolutely free, uh, and, and uh, you can actually join. There are tens of thousands of people who share. So share your pictures on Instagram. You can follow the hashtag. It's hashtag Men's Game, like yeah. M I N S Game. It's unbelievable the amount of pictures online with that hashtag. Yeah, and, and yeah. so people start every single month. If you don't follow us on Instagram, you can just you can tag us on there. We reshare some of our favorites on our mm -hmm. Instagram stories every single month. There are thousands of people playing right now. Uh, that will link to it in the show notes as well. Theminimalists.com slash game. Download the free printable calendar right there. You just print it up. And you have it right there near your computer, and that way you know it's the 14th day of the month. Of course, I get rid of 14 things, but there's also it does the math for you, so you already know how many things you've gotten rid of, mm. which is uh, it's a nice bonus because. People do the math wrong, and they they think it's uh, uh, 
it's multiples each day, which I think you'd have to end up getting rid of a billion things if you doubled every day. <laughs> Wait a minute. I don't know what the math is, but oh, I don't wow. think most of us would be able to survive. Yeah. Uh, my favorite though, Ryan, is when people keep playing beyond day 30. And yeah. I, they're like, it's day 37 of the of the men's game. And they just it's keep going. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so you can get together with a, a group of friends, coworkers, whatever. Uh, check it out. Theminimalists.com slash game. You can follow The Minimalist on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Minimalist. Come to one of our live podcast shows. Visit theminimalists.com slash tour to find a city near you if you have a question comment or minimalism tip for our podcast email a voice memo to podcast at the minimalists.com you can comment on this episode at youtube.com slash the minimalist and if you want our show notes in your inbox sign up for our email list over at the minimalists.com you also receive our simple sunday emails each week and if you live here today with just one message we hope it's this love people and use things because the opposite never works Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll see you next time. Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing that's just feeding your greed. Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it.